Hello, and welcome back to my podcast, Cognitive Dissident. My name is Kalyani Saxena, and boy, this week is a doozy. Um, I'm back with an episode. I've had a very busy couple of weeks settling into my senior year, and I finally joined my internship this um, past week at WBUR, and it was a crazy week to be joining a newsroom because I don't know if you've seen the news, but the House launched an inquiry um, into impeachment, and I'm going to get into all of those details and more. So thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I know that things have been kind of happening at a very fast pace in the news, and it's very confusing to know what's going on, why is the House launching impeachment, what's the whistleblower doing. So this episode is aimed at trying to answer some questions for you and let you all know what's going on. So... I'm going to lay out the structure and then let's get right into it. Because there are so many moving pieces to this story, I'm going to try and answer four important questions for you today. Number one is, what is going on? What's the big deal? In this section, I'm going to lay out the facts and the timeline. Question number two is, why are people saying that Trump did something wrong? Was it politics? Was it a legal issue? Did he even do anything wrong? I'm going to get into that. Number three. Why impeachment now? The House has been under pressure. Nancy Pelosi has been under pressure for a long time. So why are they moving forward with impeachment now rather than any of the other times before? And the last one is what does impeachment proceedings mean for America? Where do we go from here? Does this have any political significance? Why are we doing this? And I'm also going to explain how impeachment moves through Congress because it can actually be a kind of tricky process. My source for today is basically the New York Times. They've done a lot of great reporting, and so I use them pretty much exclusively for today um, because I wanted to make sure I got this episode out for you all. And with that, let's get right into it. So if you decided to take a week off from the news cycle and you opened the pages, you would be very confused as to how we got here. But it all began with a whistleblower who filed a complaint suggesting that there had been misconduct by the president. The inspector general for the intelligence community looked at this complaint and found it to be both credible and urgent. And then he forwarded it to the acting director of national intelligence, Joseph McGuire. Joseph McGuire was supposed to give this threat to Congress within a week, according to the law. However, he refused to do so and said that the Justice Department didn't think that it was credible and didn't think that it was um, necessary under the law to tell Congress about it. Of course, we now know that eventually it was revealed to Congress, but why was this such a big deal? Why did Joseph McGuire not want people to know about what's going on? We can only speculate, but perhaps he was concerned about the content of the complaint, which in order to understand that, we must go back in our little, little time capsule back to 2015, when Joe Biden was vice president of the United States. During this time, he, in 2015, pushed the Ukrainian government to fire one of the top prosecutors, Victor Shokin. And the pos- it was the general position of the Obama administration at this time that they did want to remove this guy, Victor, because he was corrupt and he had been really re- viewed as an obstacle to reform. So it was not just Joe Biden's decision to go after Victor um, Shokin, but it was, it was the Obama administration as a whole. However, Biden's son at the time, was sitting on the board of a Ukrainian energy company. 
And many people argued that by Biden firing this prosecutor or urging Ukraine to get rid of this prosecutor, he was in some way trying to protect his son and make sure that his son did not get prosecuted um, because of the company he was working for. This was a big thing at the time. However, it was looked into and no one has ever found any credible evidence that Joe Biden um, did anything untoward or corrupt. So that's the 2015 bookmarker. And this is kind of one of the central events of this whole unfolding story. So now let's flash forward four years later. On July 25th, 2019, President Trump had a call with the new president of Ukraine. On this call, he told, according to the whistleblower and according to the transcript, which I'll get into later, he said that the, he, um, according to this transcript, Trump pressed the new Ukrainian president to look into Joe Biden. He said, quote, I would like you to do us a favor, though. And then he used Bill Barr's name and suggested that the Ukrainian president work together with Bill Barr to, and for people who don't know, Bill Barr is the attorney general of the United States. But he suggested that this Ukrainian president, as a favor to him, launch an investigation into the aforementioned incident with Joe Biden and the prosecutor. And that's what the complaint was about. That's what... Um, Joseph McGuire read the complaint about Joseph McGuire was the um, the acting director of national intelligence. So that's what everybody was worried about. So since that time, the transcript or, you know, transcript in quotes, because it's not an actual transcript, has been released by the White House and as has the whistleblower complaint. And after the House heard about all this, they formally launched an impeachment inquiry into Donald Trump. I will explain later on what that means, but those are the basic facts and that's the basic timeline. I hope that makes sense. If not, you know the drill. Feel free to message me and let's talk. Now, one of the really important things we need to discuss after going through this whole timeline is why are people saying that Trump did something wrong? What was so wrong about this particular conversation that caused someone to file a complaint, that caused the National Director of Intelligence to try and hide the complaint? And why is Congress, or the House at least, up in a fervor about it? Why are Democrats concerned? What exactly about that interaction is wrong? Now, to some people, it may be fairly obvious, but it might not be obvious to a lot of other people. So one of the big concerns is that it seems like Donald Trump was doing a quid pro quo, which people were throwing this term around in the newsroom and I was like, hello, most of us don't speak Latin here, but I do have Google capabilities. And what a quid pro quo is, is a favor granted in return for something in exchange. Now the summer, over the summer, the White House froze more than $391 million in military assistance to Ukraine. When you look at that in relation to the phone call and Donald Trump saying, do us a favor, it's quite possible that what he was saying here was a quid pro quo. And he said, you give us this, you give us this investigation into Joe Biden or we don't give you aid. And the fact that this aid was frozen seems to lend credence to that theory that there was something inappropriate happening here and that this was corrupt and it was trying to force a... Um, foreign official to interfere in our elections and a lot of people say well hey it doesn't even matter if the quid if the frozen aid has anything to do with this um 
phone call. The fact that he even asked a foreign government to interfere in an election, an upcoming election, and to knock down one of his political opponents is absolutely inappropriate and an abuse of power. So that, those are two things wrong with it. Another big thing, and this came out yesterday, September 26th, um, the complaint itself by the whistleblower was released. And what he said in the complaint was that senior White House officials actually tried to lock down, hide away, the record of this conversation with the leader of Ukraine. According to the whistleblower, these officials in the White House removed the transcript, um, sorry, moved the transcript from that phone call onto a secure, classified system so that they could conceal Donald Trump's actions. This is really a- another problem at the crux of the matter. It's that in doing this sort of hiding it, one, it makes it seem like something more than what we know was said on the phone call, and two, this is a cover-up, and that is a conspiracy to deceive the American people, and that can be classified as an impeachable offense. Now, I really also want to say a quick word about the transcript, because if you've been looking at headlines, you might have seen, oh, White House releases official transcript of the call. That's not actually true. This isn't an actual transcript. It's a reconstruction of the transcript. What we have in the news right now is what people in the room say what's ha- say, say is what they heard and um, what supposedly some software helped them reconstruct. But the fact of the matter is, according to this complaint, the actual transcript does exist, but has been locked down somewhere else. And the complaint said that this wasn't the first time something like this has happened. So that's part of the concern. And really, all of the information we're operating off of might not even be the full picture. So the next question I want to address is, why impeachment now? It feels like, honestly, I came out of the womb hearing impeach Donald Trump. It's the most common refrain. I talked about it back last year, or sorry, earlier this year when we were talking about Mueller. It feels like impeachment, impeachment, impeachment. Like, that's all we've been talking about, but it hasn't really translated into any real momentum. First, it was because, of course, the House was not in the control of the Democrats. They couldn't launch an impeachment into Donald Trump. But the House has been in control, sorry, the Democrats have been in control of the House since 2018. But Nancy Pelosi has steadily refused calls to launch an inquiry into impeachment. And so that means there must be something different about this moment. And contrary to popular assumption, I actually am not you know, Nancy Pelosi's right-hand man. I can't tell you necessarily what her reasons are, but we can speculate. What's different about this moment? So here are two theories that I have. For one, this is something that Trump did while he was in office, rather than something he did as a candidate. The whole hoobaloo over the Mueller report was whether as a camp as a candidate, he worked with Russia to interfere in our elections. That was him as a candidate. That was before he was president. Now, this is an action he took this summer while he was very much president. And of course, you are held to a higher standard when you are in the highest office in the land. So this is something now they can hold him to. They can say, look, this is very concrete. You did this and you did it while you had power. And that makes it an abuse of power. And that makes it something that's worth impeaching. Number two, and we talked about this in my American politics class. um, One of the things that makes an impeachment 
successful potentially is that there's a clear narrative to follow a lot of the stuff with the Mueller report and Russia was really convoluted you were like wait what's going on how does that relate who is this man none of that here there's a very clear timeline a very clear sequence of events so people are more likely the public is more likely to be able to follow it it's more easy to like piece the facts together it's just overall an easier case And number three, Nancy Pelosi has definitely been facing mounting pressure in her party. You can't just ignore everyone saying, let's impeach, let's impeach, let's impeach. Ooh, did you hear me mess that up? That's a hard thing to say three times in a row. But you can't just withstand that pressure without losing some political support. So one could make the argument that Nancy Pelosi said, all right, this is a clear-cut case. I'm under all this pressure. Let's go for it. And that's probably one of the reasons that we're jumping into impeachment now rather than maybe six months ago when the Mueller report came out. All right, so now that we've talked about what's been going on, why it's wrong, why impeachment now, what does this actually mean for America? It's really easy to throw the word impeachment out. I literally thought like someone in the House stood up and, well, I thought this, you know, a long time ago, someone in the House stands up, says impeachment, and then Donald Trump is forcibly removed from the White House. Nope, that's not how this works. So in practice, not a lot of political consequences are going to really affect Donald Trump because of the Republican-controlled Senate. One thing that needs to be made very clear is that impeachment is a political um, process, not a legal process. So it's not necessarily like that Trump is going to jail. It's that if the politicians in the government decide to remove him, he will be removed. But this is a process that requires both the House and the Senate. So the general path for an impeachment proceeding goes start, it has to start in the House. So the House has to launch an inquiry. Two-thirds of the House then have to say, okay, we're going to do the inquiry. We're going to investigate this. And then they have to vote to impeach. If they vote to impeach, he's impeached in the House. That doesn't actually mean he's removed from the White House. He's impeached from the Congressional House, but not removed from the White House. There is a happy little, or less than happy little ringer for you to remember the procedure. So if he's impeached in the House, the next thing that happens is it moves to the Senate for a trial. The Senate then can vote to convict Trump or not to convict Trump. And when I say convict, I don't mean he's going to jail. I mean he'll be removed from office. And that requires a two-thirds vote to convict. So, with a Republican-controlled Senate, it is very, very, very unlikely that Donald Trump will be convicted in the Senate and removed from office. So what this effectively effectively does is that Trump will have a bit of a stain on his political legacy, but he's not going to be removed from office. That's not what's happening here. So if that's what you were looking for, I'm sorry, that's not going to happen unless something drastically changes. But... This also could have a real impact on the 2020 election, which is wild. So Joe Biden, who's kind of been fading, is now really going to be seen as a serious candidate. Because if the president of the United States thought it was important enough to enlist a foreign power in removing Joe Biden, that probably means that, you know, Democrats should take another look at him. So that's going to move Joe Biden in the forefront of the field, probably. Um, We'll see that maybe in the next few weeks. Um, But... Impeachment actually actually isn't that popular with a lot of Democrats. A lot of people are like, oh, I don't know how we feel about this. So it actually could backfire on Joe Biden if he keeps pushing for impeachment. So keep your eye on that. It could really go either way. And another thing is that, strangely enough, 
this impeachment proceeding could actually increase Donald Trump's popularity amongst his base and among swing voters. In um, 1998, I think is the year when Bill Clinton was being impeached, his popularity and his approval ratings were higher than they had ever been. They were like 72% or something. That's what I was told today. Um, so it, when people think that the president is being unfairly um, treated, sometimes the, the support solidifies. So this might actually not have that much of a ding on Donald Trump. It's an interesting moment to be in right now because there's so much change and so much uncertainty. So before I end this episode, I want to leave you with a few few little things. Just a quick summary because I know it's quick. It's very easy to forget things. So the first thing is the timeline. In 2015, we have Joe Biden and his son and the prosecutor being removed. Number two is this phone call between Donald Trump and President Vladimir Zelensky. Did I ever say his name earlier? Well, now you know it. Number three, you have the whistleblower complaint um, which came out. Number four was the transcript was released earlier this week. And I put transcript in quotes because it's actually a reconstruction. And number five, the House decided to launch an impeachment inquiry. I'm actually not sure if the impeachment inquiry thing came before the transcript. But that's your basic timeline of events. In terms of implications, mostly for the election. Donald Trump, not going to be removed from office anytime soon. And... I want to say we need to keep our eyes on this issue. This situation has unfolded at a rapid, rapid pace. And it's very possible that things could change a week from now. So don't don't look away. This could be a really important moment for history. Or it might not be. But do you want to be looking away and missing that? I don't know. You decide. Thank you guys so much for joining me on this special episode, special coverage. I really hope that you learned something today um, about all this stuff that's been going on. And of course, reach out to me with any questions you have. I'll see you next time.